There were five solas during the Reformation, the solas that uniquely distinguished the Protestant reformers from the Roman Catholic Church. Sola, a Latin word meaning alone, prefixed the five. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Solas Christus, Christ alone. Sola Fide, Faith alone. Sola Gratia, Grace alone. And Solideo Gloria, Glory to God alone. In our episode today, we focus on the second sola, solas Christus, Christ alone. This is Zee Chungan, my brother in the Lord and Pastor Confex Makalera. He'll be here shortly. We're not able to be together in the studio today, but we join here through the blessing of technology. Hello, Confex. We're on the sixth episode today. Z, I can't believe that this is our sixth episode. Uh, the Lord has been good and gracious to us. We are glad and we are humbled by his goodness. But also, let me thank those who are following, listening, and have even subscribed to this podcast that every week you make it a point to listen. Let me thank you for that. And also let me thank you for sending us feedback, telling us how we are doing, uh, something that we can do better. We really appreciate that. Uh, you might know by now that this is a ministry to us. We would like to teach God's word faithfully through this podcast of All Things Reformed. So your feedback helps us to be more faithful. So thank you so much uh, for listening and taking time to give us feedback or even send us comments regarding the podcast. Now, Confex, what is Solas Christos or Christ alone all about? And what does it mean? Thank you for a good question, Z. Well, this solar is looking at two things. First, the object of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. We are going to look at these two solars later on in Christ. So what is the object? Where do I place my faith in for my salvation? And this solar says, well, you place your faith In Christ Jesus. Now, that seems like common sense. But remember, at this time, there are so many things happening in the church. The sacramental system is at the center of everything in the church. And people are placing their faith in the sacramental system. Believing that uh, by being baptized, they are going to be saved. And so many stories uh, during this time of people putting on hold their baptism because they believe that once they're baptized, they're going to be saved and they don't want to be baptized and then continue to sin and die in their sins. So the Reformation comes on the scene and says, no, according to the scriptures, it's not your faith in the sacraments that saves you. It's your faith alone in Christ. Christ alone that saves you. The second thing 
has to do with the Christ being the mediator, that he is the only mediator between God and man, as we read in First Timothy. Again, this is very important because what is happening at this time is that people are placing their faith and hoping that maybe the saints, maybe some key people in the church can pray for them and through their prayers can secure their salvation. And the Reformation comes on the scene and says, no, according to the scriptures, there's only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way to the Father. And no one goes to the Father except through him. You don't go to the Father through the leadership of the church. You don't go to the Father through the saints who have died long ago. You don't go to the Father through anyone else but Christ alone. So that's what this soul is all about. Thank you for that clear, elaborate response. I would like to drive you to a more defining question. We hear a lot about Christ. When we're born, we're raised, we go to churches, we go to schools. We hear a lot about Christ. Not sure whether we talk about the same Christ in every place. But today, here, I want to find out. Who is the biblical Christ? And again, that's uh, a good question. And I'm glad that you have asked that question because, you know, we can talk about Christ. We can talk about Jesus and think that, well, we are talking about one Jesus. So who is the biblical Christ is a very important question. So we begin with what the Bible tells us, that Jesus Christ is God. He's a member of the Trinity. The God of Christianity is one God in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. So Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. Second thing that we should always be clear on and remember when we talk about Jesus is that he became man. The theological term there, incarnation. This second person of the Godhead took upon himself humanity. He was born of the Virgin Mary. We emphasize there, Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ did not have a human father. Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why Christ was born without sin. So it's a miracle birth born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He did not commit a single sin, and yet he died on the cross, a shameful and painful death on behalf of his people who believe in him and who will believe in him in the future. 
And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He appeared to people that were there at that time and then ascended into heaven. And right now, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the one controlling everything in heaven and on earth. The book of Colossians is going to tell us that in him, in Christ, all things hold together. So that's the Christ that we are talking about. Pastor Confex, just a quick one. You say here that Christ is the second person of the Godhead, God the Son. And then you say that Christ became man. What do we know about the nature of Christ? This Christ is one person with two natures. Very important there. He's one person with two natures. The divine nature and the human nature. He's truly God and truly man. Again, this is very important because there are some who say that, well, yes, we believe Jesus, but he's just a mere man. Or anyway, a better man than us. But they will not say that he's God. No, that's not the biblical Jesus. The biblical Jesus is truly man, truly God, yet one person. But so, as we have already said, this Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. So there is no other way that anyone can approach the Father apart from through Jesus Christ. So this is the biblical Jesus. And one day he's going to return here on earth and he's going to take all believers who will be alive then and be with him in glory. When Christ shall reign forever and ever as their king in the new heavens and the new earth. But so, in Reformed theology, this is the fourth thing that I would like to highlight. In Reformed theology, we say that Christ has three offices. Now, by offices, we are referring to the main duties that he does. So we say that Christ is a prophet, Christ is a king, and Christ is a priest. He's a prophet, priest, and king. As a prophet, Christ communicates God's truth to us. So we want to know the gospel. It is through the teaching of Christ that we know what the gospel is. The word of God is the word of Christ. But also in Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 1, we read there that long ago God spoke to our forefathers in various ways. So we can include dreams, visions, and all that. That's how God spoke in the, in the past. But then Hebrews says, the author of Hebrews says, but in these last days, referring to the time that Jesus 
was born from that time until now, these are last days, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So in other words, Jesus Christ is the prophet per excellence. He is the prophet of prophets. All those prophets who came before Christ were actually pointing to a greater and better and true and perfect prophet, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our prophet. Second, Jesus Christ is our priest. Now, you look back in the Old Testament, the priests were responsible for praying for the people, but also offering sacrifices for the people. So the prophet was taking God's word to God's people. The priest, on the other hand, was taking the burdens, the prayers of the people from people to God. And Christ is our priest in that Christ, instead of offering sacrifices of animals, he offered himself once for all as a perfect sacrifice. So once for all, this is why today when you and me have sinned, we don't look for a goat or a lamb and kill it and offer it to God because Christ was offered once for all. In that way, he is our perfect priest. But also, Christ continues to pray for us. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter number 8, that Christ is interceding for us because he is our priest. But also, Christ is our king. He rules and defends us. So, as our king, he rules us through his word. He reigns in our lives through his word. But also as our king, he defends us from all his and our enemies. They are enemies of Christ. They are our enemies. And the chief enemy of Christ is Satan and his fallen angels. These, they work hard to destroy Christians. But praise the Lord that the king of kings, Jesus Christ, defends us. From Satan. But also, he not only defends us, he defeats all his and our enemies. And the chief enemies of you and me are sin, death, and Satan. And Christ has conquered sin. On the cross, he conquered sin. On the cross, he conquered Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. But also on the cross and when Christ rose from the dead, he defeated death. So even though we die physically today, Christ says, whoever believes in me, even though he dies, he shall live. Because Christ has defeated all his and our enemies. So that's the uh, that's the biblical Christ. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Confex. We'll move on, and today we're focusing on Christ alone as a distinctive of the Reformation. Christ alone. We distinguish here 
salvation through Christ alone and the salvation of works. What is the salvation of works? And how does it sharply contrast with Christ alone? Really, salvation by works. Really, what we mean by that is when someone thinks that they can do some things that will enable them to get right with God. So there are a number of things. Some people think, well, God gave us the Ten Commandments. If I can only keep all the Ten Commandments, then God is going to be pleased with me, and then God is going to save me. If I can only try harder to be a good person, then the Lord will be pleased with me, and he will save me. If I can only love my neighbor, if I can only help the poor and the needy, God is going to be pleased with me and is going to save me. If I can only try to obey whatever God has said in his word, then God is going to be pleased with me and is going to save me. That's what it means, salvation by works, believing that we can do things that will make God be pleased with us and save us. And the Bible is very, very clear on that one. No one can be saved by works. Now, why can't we be saved by our works? Well, because none of us, none of us can fully keep the commandments of God. None of us can fully please God with what we do because we are sinners. So even the good thing that we do, they are already tainted by sin in our hearts. We are born sinners. And if we try to do good, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Just consider this. You have a small drop of poison in a bowl. Or in a glass, a small drop, even one drop of poison in there. And you fill the cup with water. And you say, well, because there's more water in here, it's just one drop of poison. I'm not going to die. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. Because the poison contaminates the water. It's the same with us. We are born sinners. So no matter how hard we try to do good works, even if there are plenty of them, they are still contaminated by that sin. And God is not pleased with us. This is why we need Christ alone. I love the hymn, Rock of Ages, and that line that says, Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. I cling because that's really what salvation is all about. Clinging to the cross of Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation. Any message, whether it's the one preaching calls it gospel or God's word, but any message that is not pointing you to Christ and to his finished work on the cross is not the gospel. 
is an enemy of the doctrine of Christ alone. Any preacher, if they make you to look up to them as your help to be saved or as a means of you being saved, that person is an enemy of Christ and you need to run away from him as fast as you can. Because every true preacher has one mission, to point God's people to Christ and him crucified. That is as clear as it gets. I would like you to summarize Pastor Confex by turning to whoever is listening right now and may have any of these questions or may know someone who has these questions or one of these questions. How does embracing Christ alone help a believer who is struggling with sin? How about during evangelism? How does embracing Christ alone help? How about someone who is struggling with assurance of faith? Assurance of their salvation. They wake up one morning and feeling so not sure about whether they are saved or not. How does Christ alone respond to this? This is a very, very good question because it's very practical. Someone is listening to this podcast and maybe they're struggling with some sin. And they really want to get rid of this sin in their lives. They have tried hard. Christ alone is your hope. And really what we need to do in a situation like that one is to come to Christ. And say I have tried to deal with this sin in my own power. I have failed. I leave everything under your feet Christ. Would you please save me? And when you sin, remember what Christ has done. Run to the cross. Confess your sin. Continue trusting in Christ. That's the comfort that you have as a believer. In evangelism, yes, when, when we go out, we go out to proclaim Christ. And when we go out, we are not going out there to talk about ourselves. No. We are going out to point people to Christ. And when people believe in Christ, we don't give in to pride to think, well, look at what has happened. Somebody has believed in Christ because of me. No. We know it's because Christ has worked in their hearts. We rejoice in humility, knowing that Christ can use a weaker or even unworthy vessel like you and me. And again, in relation to the struggling we've seen, especially in terms of assurance of our salvation, uh, there is one pastor who lived just 
after reformation i think is robert murray machen he said something like with every one look at yourself take 10 more looks at christ and really what he meant is when you look at yourself when you see how you fell how you fell god look to christ and see the one who never failed god and that's your hope and that's my hope this is why the doctrine or the teaching of christ alone is a great hope of a believer not i but what christ has done thus my hope and my salvation we end there for today thanks this also is where we leave it for today please email us your thoughts about the program and any questions you may have you can email us on atreformed at gmail.com atreformed one word at gmail.com you can also inbox us on all things reformed podcast page on facebook